0: I also want to remind you, before we dive on into God's Word together, is if your kids are singing in the program next Sunday, please, please, please make sure you're there, that you have the children at midweek on Tuesday night, because that's kind of their final rehearsal before the day, so that'll be a really key time. But go ahead and turn over to Mark chapter 6. Gratified or satisfied? You know, it's the holiday season. Uh, This morning it's inspiring to see people come in and give. And the tables are full of what you decided to give. You know, whenever you decide to give, you're foregoing receiving whatever it was that you had. You had to make a sacrifice, you had to make a choice. Sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's money. uh, Sometimes it's something valuable to you. And Jesus is constantly working to inspire our hearts to continue to be givers. Because giving is not something you do once and go, that's awesome. You know, I remember like eight years ago, I gave. No, it really should be a daily, regular part of the Christian life. And so... Jesus is working on those closest to him. And when we pick it up in Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30, it says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Now, We are now in the month of December. It's hard to believe how fast the year's gone. Finals are coming up. Talk to one guy who's got a final tomorrow. You know, maybe your finals are the week after. But it's kind of that end of the year crunch. It's holiday time. And you're looking forward to what Jesus says getting away to a solitary place and get some rest. And you're like, I love where this sermon is going. I I feel connected to Jesus. I mean, I've been waiting all year for December so I can relax, so I can rest, I can get energized, I can get some me time. And, you know, Jesus' situation here, they were meeting so many needs that they didn't even have a chance to eat. So in the words of a teenager, they were starving. Modern day language, maybe they were hangry. You know, we get grumpy when we don't eat. And so Jesus looks at his 12 and he's like, all right, guys, let's let's get away. We, we need some rest. We're going to go get some good food. We'll stop at a good restaurant on the way. And we're going to have some really awesome chill time." You go, I I love this sermon. I mean, you know, I came here today. We gave our toys, you know, and I'm just feeling good. And now we're going to talk about rest and relaxation. This is going to be one of my favorite sermons. I I will listen to it regularly. The only problem is we lay plans and we have expectations, but the needs of other people just never seem to revolve around our chill time. Did you ever notice that? People don't call you first and go, I want to make sure this is a really convenient time because I'm going to have a really big need on Tuesday. And so I'm giving you a little notice so you can kind of clear out your schedule so you'll be ready to meet my needs on Tuesday when the crisis hits. You know how life is? It's never that way. It always seems when you have the least amount of time, when life is the most hectic, you haven't had a chance to eat, and you're thinking about what you're going to eat after church right now. You know, what are you going to eat? And then all of a sudden, this huge crowd says, I have needs. You can't ignore me. I have needs. And it says, Jesus in verse 34, he saw the large crowd They said, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus told them to make all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was about five thousand. So you have this group of thousands. They said five thousand men. So... Women and others, upwards of 10,000. Now, this is a good-sized group because the two main towns close by each had between 2,000 and 3,000 people in it. So if you put those together, that's, that's not even as many men as you had there. So he, he was gathering a group from all over. And they were hungry. They wanted to be taught. They wanted to be helped. And the disciples were like, send them away. Remember, how did the story begin? Let's go to a solitary place. Let's relax. Let's get some me time. And then this huge crowd comes with needs. You know what's amazing about this story? Is Jesus had the disciples direct all the people to sit down. And then he worked one of the most amazing miracles he's ever done. But do you know who witnessed it? It was just the Twelve. Now the thousands were fed. But they were oblivious to the miracle that had occurred. All they know is they got handed some fish, and they got handed some bread, and they ate, and the Bible says all were satisfied. This entire miracle met the needs of the thousands. But the miracle was actually not for them. The miracle was for the twelve. Jesus could have fed them. Like they did in the Old Testament. Man, it could have come down. They could have had quail come on in. They could have fed the crowd that way. But this miracle was, was not for the thousands. This miracle was for the twelve. It's no coincidence that there was enough left over that each of them got to carry a basket. You know, they started with just a few small items. And after they fed thousands, each disciple got to carry around a basket of leftovers. Because that's just the way God works. God never gives you just as much as you need. He says, let me give you slightly more just so that you'll get by. Our God gives in bountiful ways. He he gives more than we could ask or imagine. But Remember, this miracle was for the disciples. Surely they learned the lesson, right? Well, let's continue reading in Mark chapter 6, verse 45. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Now, I love kind of how the Bible describes this. Jesus was going to walk on by. But they got afraid, and so they cry out to him. They thought he was a ghost, so it kind of got their attention. And then they have this interaction. And he says, immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I. Now that that reading, it is I, you go, who speaks that way? It is I. That's not what he said. This is just the English translation of it. What he said, and you might find it familiar, was, don't be afraid, I am. He quotes what God said To Moses in the burning bush. I am. You see, what was the point? He is the son of God. He's 100% human. He's 100% God. But listen to how it goes on. He said, don't be afraid. Then he climbed to the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. You say, now why would the Bible want you and I to know that? Wait, Jesus feeds like 10,000 people with some you know, fish and some loaves, and they get afraid in a windstorm, and Jesus is walking on the water? You say, no, Jesus was walking on the water, and that had never been done before. And, and so they were in shock, and they were in this treacherous situation. And no, you know what Jesus said their problem was? They didn't understand about the loaves. It was a miracle for. It was for the twelve. What was the purpose? That Jesus was the Son of God. When you do a miracle, what does that show? I'm above natural laws. I can do whatever I want. I can create. I can walk on water. I can multiply loaves. I can multiply fish. I can comb the wind and the waves. I can change water into wine. I can do whatever I want. You know why? Because I made the universe. And out of all that interaction... The Bible says, you need to know one thing. You know why they didn't get it? You know why they were afraid? Because they didn't understand about the loaves, The hard heart. You know, I think about my life and what makes me afraid. You know, sometimes health. Sometimes the kids, the decisions that the kids make or are making. You know, maybe it's your job, your career, your future, your finances. How about our our political realm? You know, we got all kinds of stuff going on. We got a lot of reasons to be afraid. Unless we understand about the loaves. You see, because if we understand about the lows, if we see the miracle and we go, oh, yeah, Jesus, he made the universe. He's got this. Then it doesn't matter if you're in a torrential downpour. It doesn't matter if he's walking on water and doing something that's never happened before. It doesn't matter because we go, well, he's the son of God. He's got this. You see, I think about what Jesus does in our life, about the miracles that are recorded in the Bible. Some of them were private, you know, just just for the disciples. There were 10,000 people. You know, if you were Jesus, would you have done the the miracle in a big display so the whole 10,000 could see it? Now, this this was personal. This was just for the 12. Why? Because he said, you know what, They, they need to get this lesson. They need to really understand who I am. And I wonder how we're doing with that lesson. We know the theory, right? Who's Jesus? who's God's one only Son. He was crucified for our sins. He was resurrected on the third day. We got the theory, right? What about when you're in a storm? Are you afraid? Would Jesus be afraid of what we're afraid of? Remember, the one thing the Bible wanted you to know. They hadn't understood about the loaves. You know, it goes on. Then he has an interaction with the Pharisees. And we're going to bypass that. Then you've got a woman of great faith, and he heals uh, deaf and a mute. And then we get over to chapter 8. And... You know, so he's fed roughly 10,000, and now we're going to get another feeding, because Jesus repeats himself, and you ever had somebody have to repeat themselves to you? All of us. Yeah, you ever been in class, and somebody asked a question, and as soon as the teacher answers, somebody raised their hand, I got a question. And they asked the exact same question that was just asked. And what's everyone in the class thinking? <laughs> Shouldn't have been looking at your phone. You would have heard the answer was just given. Teacher just answered that one. Yeah, do you ever wonder if Jesus like, wait, you all worked up? Why? Wait, we just answered that one. Did you not read that story? So Jesus repeats himself, and that's fine. In Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 1, it says, During those days another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they'll collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. Disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? You see, it's just good to repeat yourself because you'd think, well, surely somebody would be like, Jesus, all we need is like one loaf, one loaf and maybe half a fish. And you can just do what you did with the 5,000 men and all the other people. It's simple. I remember you did that. That's all you got to do. And sure enough, not one of the 12s coming up with that idea. All they're thinking is, here we go again. Jesus is trying to get me to meet these needs. We've got no resources. I'm overwhelmed. It's December. It's the end of the year, and I need a little me time. We're supposed to get rest. And now we got all these people that are hungry. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. After that, he sent them away but he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanutha. Okay? Now, first of all, what's the detail the Bible wants you to know about the crowd that ate? It says they were what? They were satisfied. Isn't it amazing that God wants you to know that Jesus and the disciples with limited resources had the ability to satisfy thousands? You say, how can that be? You know, it's overwhelming sometimes to be in a situation where somebody wants you to help and you have no idea what to do. Um, before Thanksgiving, the Jadarian family group organized a time to go over to the uh, homeless shelter. And they brought a taco truck and the disciples and the children. And we had all kinds of food laid out and drinks. And it was awesome. There was so much help. But they said, okay, we got so much help indoors, we don't want to overwhelm the guests, so we need people to just go outside and be greeters. So well, what do you do as a greeter? Well, people will line up in front of security as they check in, and so then you just welcome them. Now, I'm a pretty social guy, but I'll tell you, it was one of the most intimidating situations I've ever been in because... You know, here I am dressed fine, you know, bathed, showered. And you've got a lineup of homeless people and I just have to walk up and initiate a conversation. Like how do you do that? What do you say? And so, you know, you, you go in, and, "Hey, my name my name's Ron. It's really good that you're here." You're going to enjoy your meal tonight. Glad you find shelter. You know, you feel you feel awkward. You feel like, well, like, wh- what am I going to say? Like, are they even going to want to talk to me? You know, and you end up having some really, really good conversations with people, and you connect, and then you feed them. You know, and it, it was it was really an amazing time, and I just left so happy that I was there to be a part of it. Go. Did I make a difference? I think I helped them have a better night. You say what? What did I have to offer them? You know what God provides. And you get in a situation, you go. Their, their needs are overwhelming. Uh, met one gentleman. I go, where are you from? And he goes, Well, I've lived in Newhall since I was uh, since 1960. Said our family moved here as a young boy. I, I go. I bet you're a heart graduate. And he goes, yes, I am. He goes, the first year I grew uh, when I graduated from heart, it was the first year they had a 10th grade at Canyon high school. And I, I, you know, I told him both my sons graduated from heart and I go, well, you, you know, you've seen this community change, haven't you? And, you know, we just had this great conversation, but it, it's, amazing how God will put you in situations that are absolutely overwhelming, sometimes emotionally, sometimes physically with the needs. But he will always supply what you need to make a difference. And so Jesus repeats himself, and now they're feeding 4,000. So it's not like 10,000, they're feeding 4,000. Now, if you're one of the 12, and you've witnessed... The feeding of the 10,000. And afterwards you add 12 basketfuls. You got to carry around the leftovers. And then Jesus repeats himself. And now he feeds 4,000. And there's seven basketfuls left over. Like if you would have anything down. Let's not even take it into the just universal realm. What would you have figured out? Jesus can multiply bread, right? Like, we ought to have that down. You would think, okay, these guys have witnessed the amazing two times. If they're going to be solid on anything, it's going to be this. Verse 14. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Jesus said, be careful, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, It's because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Wait, what's the one thing the disciples got down? Okay, Jesus can multiply loaves and fish. They have the required, necessary one loaf. The fact is, Jesus could have done it with no bread. But they have one loaf. And Jesus says, beware the yeast of the Pharisees. This is an important teaching time. He was prepping their hearts and their life. And they discuss it. Like, can you imagine that discussion group? Okay, Jesus said, beware the yeast of the Pharisees. All the twelve have seen the same miracle twice. And what's the best they can come up with? See? I knew it. Jesus knows we forgot. That's it. We're in trouble. I knew it. Jesus is mad at us again. We're just like loafers. One loafer. That's all we are. We got one. I knew it. He's mad at me. You know, you read this story. And how do you feel about the disciples? Do you feel like that's an appropriate response, given everything that's happened? Do you look at them and go, Oh, yeah. I mean, I I would do the same thing. I mean, you know, after you feed thousands and multiply all these loaves, I'd probably be worried too if we only had one loaf with Jesus. No, I totally get it. Now, but when we're self centered, we have reactions just the same way. Jesus does amazing things. And we're like, see, I know it. I, I'm bad. I'm a bad person. Jesus is mad. See, I'm a failure. I messed up. He's mad at me. He doesn't like me. And our buttons get pushed. And often I think Jesus is looking at us going, wait, what, what are you talking about? Well, Jesus, I mean, I am a total loser. I mean, with all this bread, I should have been better prepped. And we only had one loaf. And she's like, I'm not talking about bread. You know, when you get self-focused, guilt, shame, it can mess up our thinking. And Jesus can do incredible things around us. And somehow out of all that, all we can connect with is I'm a loser. And just like here, Jesus is like, wait, what are you talking about having no bread? By the way, Jesus did know that they only had one loaf of bread. He knew everything. That was not his point. There was a far more important point that Jesus was training them, but they couldn't absorb it in their heart. Why? Because all they could think of is, oh, you forgot to bring bread. And the reality of the situation is they had plenty of bread. With the king of kings and lord of lords, you just don't need that much. And he can feed thousands. You know, it's really incredible when you see yourself in the Bible. Because I think that's why the the stories are in there. And so that we can connect. And in Mark chapter 8, they're like, it's because we have no bread. Verse 17, it says, aware of their discussion, Jesus said, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Seven. And he said, do you still not understand? Jesus had a way of communicating. And yet our thinking can totally mess us up. The miraculous was right in front of them. He said, do you still not understand? How many basketfuls did you pick up? Twelve. How many basketfuls the second time? Seven. Do you still not understand? Jesus was working so hard to put this lesson into the heart of the twelve. And you're going to see a little bit later. You see it starts to sink in. In chapter 8, verse 27, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and still others, one of the prophets. What about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. You see, they started to get it. They're like, no, you're the one. You're the one that multiplied the bread. You're the one that multiplied the fish. You're the one that walked on water. They start to get it. But then right after that, the conviction is tested. And isn't that the way life is? We get it. But then it's tested. And it says he began to teach them. Verse 31, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You know, and the rubber starts to meet the road right there. You see, the sermon's about being gratified or being satisfied. Now yeah, we started with, let's, let's go to a solitary place and let's get some rest. And we're like, yeah, I love that one. You see, God's concerned with so much more. And God has a plan for each one of you to be involved in his concerns. But you know what can distract us? Human concerns. Man, I'll tell you what. It's, it's a glorious thing when this is on straight. I was so proud. One of the, one of the married brothers, Louis Escobar, um, watching him with Caesar's dad, Study the Bible, the conversation, the heart that he gave to Nicholas. was awesome. Busy schedule, busy life. You know what? He cleared it out. Hey, whenever we can get with Nicholas, got with Nicholas. Wouldn't even come home from work, just stop in Nicholas's apartment. Why? Because we're going to study the Bible together. He gave of himself. You would never have known. He was tired. You know why? Because God was concerned about Nicholas. And Louis was concerned about Nicholas. And we all celebrated the victory of Nicholas getting baptized. It was amazing. But you know what it took? People like Louis, Caesar, and others saying, Now, I'm going to put human concerns on hold. We're going to enter into the realm of God's concerns. And then right after that, he says, he calls the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me The gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus brought it down to the heart level and he goes, This is what it means to follow me. That God's concerns are top priority. That that's what we live for. You know, when you came this morning, you had a toy. I'll tell you what, Disney makes some good toys. This is nice and soft and squishy, and it's got the little badge, genuine Disney product. You know what? Bailey, our dog, was totally pumped about Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Bailey loves all stuffed animals and believes that they belong to her. And so Bailey was very sad when I took this out the door with me. She just watched it like a hawk. You know, some of you have small children. And the concept of going and buying a toy and giving it to somebody else, I was like, wait, I see all these toys. I, I'd like to do some shopping here at church. <laughs> but you know, we're adults. We're mature, right? And so we see the need. And so it's no problem for us to, to give away our toy. You know, sometimes it's not... Winnie the Pooh. It's our time. You see, because you either give or you... No, this is mine. And you know what I realized? You can't reach out for Jesus if you're holding on to something other than Jesus. You know, maybe it's our career. Hey, I know there's these concerns, but... My career, my hobbies, my family, my children. You know what? All of that is good and godly. But never to the point where we look at needs and say, "Uh uh-uh, this is mine. It's my money. It's my time. It's my life. No, Jesus says whoever wants to save their life, We'll lose it. He says, you want to be satisfied? Give it away. We're like, what? Man, you will not ever hear that taught in a class. You want to be happy? You want to be satisfied? Live for others. Give away what you have. Remember how the scripture read? They all ate and were satisfied. You see, God accomplishes things that don't make sense to the world, but you've got a choice to make. Are you going to hold on to what you have? Are you going to give to others? You know, when when I'm concerned about myself, I want to hang on. When I'm concerned about what God's concerned about, my focus is out there, and I'm not alone. You see, we gave away Winnie the Pooh today. There's something way more valuable that you brought in to the room today. It's your life. And Jesus says whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever's going to hang on to their life, to their priorities, to my time, to my schedule, to my money, to my hobbies. He said you're going to lose it. You'll wind up empty and unfulfilled every time. And yet the amazing flip side is he said, when when you give it away, you gain eternal life. They all ate and were satisfied. We have witnessed the miraculous. We've seen God move and work in incredible ways. We read the stories. we got the theory. But every day, it's not the annual toy drive. No, it's the soul drive, because that's the only thing that matters for an eternity. And you've got a decision to make every day. You say, yeah, but I'm afraid. Jesus says, don't be afraid. I am. I'm overwhelmed by the needs. What do you have? I'll multiply it and you can carry around the leftovers. See, it's not about us. Because when it's about us, we've let go of the lesson. Have a soft heart to what God is saying. How do we want to close out the year? Satisfied. You know what? When, you, when you're filled up with God's concerns, not only will you end up satisfied, but so will a whole host of people around. On the other hand, if you walk out of here and go, no, nope, I want to be gratified. In the end, you'll lose. You know, why are we filled with joy? Because we came in today and we gave. It's awesome. I'm proud of the church. This is a toy. It's a toy that's going to make a difference in a young child's life. It's going to fire them up in a rough moment. But Jesus says, what can a man give in exchange for their soul? I really pray for each one of us as we look at our life that we set our sights not on gratification, but we want to be satisfied. Let's focus on God's concerns and let's live for him. Let's stand as we close in a final song.